Welcome to Dollar Theater. This is the podcast where we talk about movies we love, some of which are critically acclaimed, some maybe not so much. We are going to be mixing it up a little bit today. We're switching it up from the single movie format, and we're going to be doing a top five list for one of our favorite directors, David Fincher. And joining me for the first time since last time you guys were here, we talked about Babylon, Jimmy Clements, and Brian Valentine. Guys, what's going on? Hey, hey. Hey, Dave. How you doing? I'm well. Thanks for joining us. So, David Fincher, after we're about two or three weeks since the premiere of The Killer on Netflix, and one of my favorite directors, I'm sure you guys would say the same. So, he was somebody I definitely wanted to talk about. We've covered a couple of his movies on the podcast previously. We've covered Seven and Fight Club. And Seven was a movie that I've, I've seen, I don't know, 50 times. One of my favorite movies ever. I've seen most of his films. I don't think it was until 2010 when The Social Network came out that me as a film fan had had an awareness of like, okay, this is a David Fincher film. This is the guy who made Seven, Fight Club, Zodiac, etc. And now, I think we talked about this a little bit when we did Babylon, how when we know a Chazelle film is coming out, it's an event. And obviously Fincher is much bigger when a Fincher film comes out, it's like kind of like when a Scorsese drops or a Tarantino, PTA, what have you. Very true. And he's just one of my favorite directors of all time. He's just he's got he's just super intense, sleek uh, cinematography. Even like some of the movies that didn't make our list, I'm looking at them, and I'm saying like, yeah, Mank would probably be like top three on most filmographies. And it didn't even make any of our lists, and we'll talk about that when we get when we get into these films later. So, Brian, what what does Fincher mean to you as as a filmmaker? What's what's your relationship with him? Well, it was pretty much when I started to really appreciate films that I um, discovered him. I was I discovered like Boogie Nights, PTA. Um, I was always aware of like Coppola and Scorsese and those kind of guys. And then there was this kind of outsider guy who was who had a very upscale looking style, like a very um, you know, kind of um, poured over um, type process that I learned about. And it was very interesting to me. And so that's what I liked about him the most probably is that his, his style wasn't so emotional. It was very, it seemed kind of clinical and very, very sharp and new to me. And that happened after I saw Fight Club in 99. And uh, I remember I was at my aunt's house. I was house sitting and I was just watching her, her HBO and I watched it and it just, it blew my mind. And it's going to sound crazy, but I was sitting on a coffee table and I broke the glass in the coffee table <laughs> while I was watching that movie. So that's a uh, kind of a memory I have linked to Fight Club, watching it for the first time. So, And then after that, after I realized who that is, it kind of blew my mind, uh, you know, like every subsequent film that he dropped. For sure. Jimmy, same question. What, what's your relationship with Fincher's filmography? Yeah, so I, I'm a little bit younger, so... Uh... I was like 17, I think, when The Social Network came out. And it was one of the first like adult movies that I remember seeing the trailer for in the theater and being like, oh, I have to see that. It looks really interesting. And um, you're going to see later, it's on my top five. But uh, um, I got really into him after that. Um, so anytime he would come out with something, I'd, I watched it. I was a huge House of Cards fan when that started. Um, and then I've just gone back 
and watched all of his other films over the years. But this this assignment was really fun because I had more blind spots than I even realized I did. And he just doesn't make bad movies. Like everyone is like, this was awesome. Yeah, my my only blind spot going into this was uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo, which I'm so which I'm so glad that I Same. I rectified. <laughs> yeah. Brian, did you have any misses on his filmography before we went into this? Um, I have one miss that I still haven't remedied, which is absurd to me, but I didn't have a bunch of time. Um, I didn't squeeze it in. I wanted to see the movies that I loved first that made the list, but I haven't seen Mank. Okay. And there was something like about it that I didn't want to uh, go out of my way to see it because it seemed like a you know, like a family-driven passion project. It was written by his dad. It was an unproduced yep. script, and I kind of wasn't interested, but um, I'm going to watch it soon. It was good. I, I recommend it. It didn't make, I'll just spoil, it didn't make mine or Jimmy's list, despite the fact that we have seen it. You've seen it, right, Jimmy? No, I actually didn't get to that. Okay. One. I apologize. Okay. No, no nothing, nothing to apologize for. I didn't make my list, and I have seen it. It was a good movie. It was on my It was on my top 10 for 2020, but 2020 was maybe the weakest movie year of our lives. Wow. Because of the pandemic. Yeah, but I, think it, I think that's true, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's you know, that's not Hollywood's fault. So why don't we just j- jump right into this? We all have our top five list here. Brian, I'm I'm really glad to say that you and I have zero crossover. Wow! And when when you gave me uh, when you gave me your list last night, I was telling Jimmy before you came on, I didn't have Panic Room on my list, and it gave me a, it gave me a reason to to watch it. And but that's not your number five. Your number five is also not on either of our lists, but it would have been might like the seven to nine range for it, me it was in, it was in a similar spot for me very close but i'm glad you put it here because it gives us a chance to talk about it yeah. what's your number five brian uh, the killer is something i saw very recently and uh i just loved it and i said this before but um it feels like as close as we'll get to fan service from david fincher it's he does all of the hits there's a lot of references to um fight club in it there's little winks to his other movies too. There's a wink to Panic Room when he's in that big fight with the guy in the house. Um, the gun slides. Under, there's a shot under the bed where the gun slides, and there's an identical shot when the phone slides under the bed before uh, Jodie Foster grabs it. There's a lot yep. of little things like that in that movie, and it's just what we want from him. It's something you know, someone who operates outside of um, you know normal society, and he is a terrible, nasty person, and you're not going to find anyone cool or relatable in the movie just a bunch of terrible people and they all are trying to kill each other and uh that's what we want from him and that's what we got and i was very happy to have that was really glad hadn't seen michael fassbender in anything like meaningful in a very long time so it was was great to see him i i will confess that i downloaded a lot of the smiths yeah after after watching this movie i had like the kind of like soundtrack yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah that soundtrack was a pleasure to hear actually like i um was not a big smith's fan but i had a friend who um had a bunch of uh smith songs in his wedding and he had a smith song uh he had a smith cover band for his wedding and uh, i i grew to love them and uh so it was awesome that you could hear inside of fassbender's head you know the all of these songs and that's all he listened to yeah like a lot of people quote fight club now you know we don't talk about fight club i i, I think there'll be we get to a point where you know, people just say empathy is weakness. A lot of stick to the plan. Yeah, yeah. A very, very quotable movie, and it it was fun. It was a very fun movie that you kind of come out like you you feel good about it. I mean, it's not like a feel good movie necessarily, but <laughs> you 
you definitely you're like I, I watch something cool when you see this. Mm-hmm. Jimmy, what do you think of the killer? Oh, awesome! Yeah, first of all, Fassbender being back, a plus. Love it, dude. He's responsible for one of my favorite scenes in movie history, which is the scene in Inglorious Bastards in the oh my god, yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, but I yeah, I'm a huge fan of his. But I one of my favorite thing about this movie is that yeah, the dude's like a hitman, but it's like it's like kind of an office procedural where he's just having a terrible <laughs> week at work. Yeah, and he's true. just like, I have to work overtime this week to make up for all this dumb shit that's going on. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty great. It's so uh, he's so methodical. I love the I love the bits when he'll like buy a piece of tech from Amazon. Because yeah. that it's like the anti James Bond in that way. It's like he's just he's just like us. He's just grabbing everything that he can from the internet and and using it to to do whatever he needs to do. And that he was one of the anyone. pieces of crossover from uh, from Fight Club was um, they had the um, the Amazon on the screen the way they had IKEA on the screen and Great they kind point. of like, fleshed it out and uh, you kind of it kind of showed up in a similar way. Like um, it showed up like in Fight Club with the IKEA catalog. It kind of illustrated itself across the screen and the. Similarly, in the killer, they had, um, you know, his scrolling. It had all the things that he was looking at when he was buying the key fob replacer and all these things. Um, you know, that commerce is always a part of uh, Fincher's um, um, kind of like part of his style because in every single one of his movies, you see brands. In a lot of movies, you won't see a brand. Yeah. And every single thing had a, had a, a visible brand in that movie, in the killer. Jimmy, you mentioned the the table conversation, uh, the basement massacre and Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, and the 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 table conversation that he has with Tilda Swinton oh. in this movie was like right up there. Oh, yeah. we're going to talk about another when we go to the Social Network later. Just I had mentioned this when I watched it, the Social Network the other night. The conversation, the opening in that movie where Rooney Mara is breaking up with Jesse Eisenberg, is just two people having a conversation at a table, and just. Fincher just stages this like so beautifully. This this was a great movie, and it wasn't a lot of his movies are like two and two and a half hours to two two and forty five. This was like a crisp like hour and fifty. Super yeah. breezy, love it. Yeah, yeah. Never just I, I watched it twice the weekend it came out, and definitely be on my top ten for this year. I love love this movie. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so Jimmy, your four and five are inverted with my four and five. So we'll, ah, okay. We'll lead off with your five. What was it? Uh, my number five was Zodiac. Uh, okay, speak on it. Yeah, cool movie. Uh, well, one theme that we'll get to, and especially my list, but I think his filmography in general is like, dude has a clear fascination with serial killers and has made a ton of stuff um, analyzing serial killers, analyzing how um, they sort of affect the psyche of a, of a town, a city, a country even um but what i love about zodiac is it's just as a fan of fincher it's like a real it's like a real director's movie because mm. a lot of the scenes like on the page i assume i mean i haven't actually read the screenplay but are just like pretty dense information based uh scenes it's a lot of characters that come in and out of the movie just like discussing things and he finds a way to stage everything in a way that keeps the momentum going he creates interest like one thing i noticed is that like in almost every scene every character is engaged in some business that's beyond the conversation they'll be like gardening or you know they're they're walking around a room or they're delivering mail or yeah they're at a diner or something so like he just finds a way to mix up what could be a really sort of plotting script 
Um, and it's just so economical too. Like characters will have like a clear entry into the movie. Like when Anthony Edwards comes in, he gets a nice introduction. When he leaves the movie, he's he gets a nice send off, you know, and, mm -hmm. and it parallels the intro. And that happens a lot with different characters in the movie. So um, beyond just being a really cool story, what I, one thing I really liked about this movie is it's like it's sort of an anti Hollywood uh, uh, true crime biopic because it they they run out of answers like every time you think that something is going to happen some grand revelation will occur they're just back to the drawing board and that's a really interesting thing to watch in a movie where it doesn't it, yeah, it kind works of like, like real life you know it's an indictment on, on kind of law enforcement because this movie spans over 22 years we start in 1969 where the zodiac you know kills well presumably kills this couple he kills the girl and leaves this guy for dead and it just shows how, like how law enforcement just can't like figure it out after all this time and you know we get that like kind of overarching story but then at the center of this is three characters played by jake joe and hall mark ruffalo and robert downey jr and we just see like how they react to this case we see ruffalo's character he's kind of like the straight man he's realistic about everything Downey just kind of breaks in the middle of the movie and he's basically like out of the movie by the middle as like once he's threatened by the Zodiac killer he just like loses his shit and then Gyllenhaal is just kind of like manic he like finding this guy is all that is the only reason he exists and then we see it with the, at the end when he when Gyllenhaal and uh, the Arthur Lee Allen character played by John John Carroll Lynch they look at each other and they both know why they're looking at each other. And then it's just like seven years later, nothing happens. And then I like yep. the bookends of the movie. We start off with this guy, uh, Mike Mignot. He gets shot and survives. And then he's played by uh, Jimmy Simpson at the end of the movie. And you could see this Jimmy Simpson. He just, you could just see by without them even saying anything, like this guy's been through some shit. Yeah. Haunted. And just perfect bookends of a movie where, and he even points the guy out, and then they just go to like the title screens. Yeah. Like, yeah, he they were gonna interview him, and then he had a heart attack and died. And just like you're like, yep. not, there was no satisfying ending. Loved it, Brian. Would you any thoughts thoughts on Zodiac? Uh, yeah, I loved Zodiac, but um, there was something frustrating about it. And um, I'm not for, I'm generally not somebody who needs like a tight, you know, wrapped up bow on it ending i don't i'm not that kind of guy but there was something about zodiac that was really frustrating to me and i've only watched it a total maybe two or three times uh, i can't remember okay. i don't think it was more than that and uh there's something about it that bothered me and um yeah i, I didn't get into that one that's not rewatchable for me uh, i do okay. i do however love the style of it i love like like jimmy said the propulsive nature of uh of the editing did despite there being a lot of exposition and a lot of talk. And, uh, and I do love how he executes the, um, the sirens there. And uh, <laughs> no, I just love how he executes, um, you know, information dumps inside of scenes where they're, uh, they're, they're doing something and they're, you know, doing something else and it makes it interesting. And, uh, and that with the editing is, that's what's great about his movies is they are, they aren't action packed, but they are propulsive and in, inside of each scene, I feel like in that movie, he really figured out how to be propulsive while sitting at a desk. And uh, so that's what I like about it the most. And also just visually, it was visually very stunning. Like always, even when they were just shooting somebody's hand and picking up something or throwing a folder down. Um, always very, very, very cool to watch. Yeah, I agree. For, for sure. 
yeah, the, this was, so this was a, uh, so Zodiac was my five and it was, no, no, it was Jimmy's five. It was my four. Uh, my number five was Gone Girl, Oops. which I saw in the, I saw in the theaters and I hadn't seen, yeah, I hadn't seen until we decided to do this pod and then I saw it, I watched it again a couple of weeks ago and yeah, this, this was a banger. I read this book uh, by Jillian Flynn and like personal story. I was a substitute teacher in high school and just, you know, just to pull the rug out from substitute teachers in high school, you don't do any work. In that job. <laughs> so when I, had, when I had that job, I, I would read two to three books a week. Mm. And this was one of the books I read nice. and I'm just sitting there reading and spoil. I'm going to give spoilers for Gone Girl. If you're listening to this pod, I'm assuming you've seen Gone Girl. Um, midway through the movie, it's revealed that uh, Rosamund Pike's character is, is actually alive while Ben Affleck is being presumably fingered for her murder. And in the book, the way they reveal that she's alive is just, is, is crazy. It was one of the best books I've ever read. And I'm sitting there in like a silent high school while these kids are taking a test. And I'm just like, <laughs> literally just gasped. That's great. And yeah, the kids just look at me and I'm like, yeah, just take your test. <laughs> so I saw this in a packed theater having known what the twist was mm. and basically the rest of the pack theater had this, the same reaction yeah. that I had in this, this classroom. And this, this was just, this is the first time he's worked with Affleck, just Affleck, what a run he was on from God. 2010 to 2014. Yeah. Incredible. The, the town Argo and this, and this was the first, I think this was the first time I saw Rosamund Pike who was nominated for an Oscar for her performance here. Just, she does like pure evil so great and i i recently saw saltburn i don't know if either of you got to see that yet uh, yeah okay but she's basically playing this character just like having a lot more fun with it Ooh, amazing and she, she's so good carrie coon is awesome in this movie yes love her probably probably like the i'm not a big tyler perry guy but i thought he was great he in this as well he, he functions slays. perfectly in that movie in that, film, yeah. in that role good casting and yeah this this was just this was just a, a cat and mouse game that these two are playing with each other. And, you know, Fincher does this probably better than anybody. I, I, I love this movie. Jimmy, what are your, what are your gone girl thoughts? This made your list too. Yeah. Also a similar parallel. I saw this in theaters with a friend who had read the book and I did not read the book. So it, that was fun for her watching, watching me go, Oh shoot. <laughs> big, <laughs> big twist. But yeah, I love this movie. It was one that like sort of burrowed in my mind. This is one I watched when it came out and, I thought about it for months afterwards. Just very unsettling and I think perfectly staged and paced. Like it's such a I don't know. It 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 goes from you know like sort of like interesting drama into like pure horror by the end, which is pretty fun. Just right. sort of as as that character devolves and And there's and I, no like there's no like resolution at the no, end, kind of like no. Zodiac, which you know we just talked about. <laughs> yeah. Like she very well could have just killed him the next day. Hundred percent. Yeah. And you talked about indictments on law enforcement. This was an indictment on married couples who stay together when they obviously have grave, grave issues that they're not. Yes. For sure. Definitely. All right. So Brian, we'll go down your list again. Number four probably still would have been in my like seven to nine range. And uh, when I saw that you had it on your list, I was telling Jimmy before the two I. Hadn't seen because they weren't streaming and I hadn't seen in a very long time where Panic Room in the game, 
and I just hadn't gotten a chance to get to them yet. So when I saw you put Panic Room on your list, I was like, all right, I'll, I'll make sure I watch this tonight. So I'm, I'm about 12 hours removed from watching this movie. Ooh. So why did, you, why did you have this on your list, Brian? What do you like about Panic Room? I uh, briefly talked with somebody on, in the group, in our great group, um, about this being a, a comfort movie for me. And uh, yeah, I, I love it on that level. It's, it's a kind of more on the bite-sized Fincher level. It's kind of more like the killer. It's not a long you know, film. It takes place in one night. It's fantastic in that way. But what I love about it really is is just the way the characters interact in in this tight little space. And David uh, Cope's uh, script, I actually went and read it. Um, I, I read the screenplay, and everything is like perfectly rendered. And uh, and uh, David Fincher built the house, like completely built the place as it exists there, as they use it. And counted the steps, you know, when like, well, if he were to run from here and she were to run to there, would he get to her? And uh, they, they formulated the, the, the plans perfectly in that way. And uh, I, I liked that a lot, too. I liked, I liked the claustrophobic nature of it. And Jodie Foster is great. And I heard that it was Nicole Kidman who was supposed to be in it. I'm sorry. That's probably going to be in the uh, end part. But, um, yeah, Nicole Kidman would have been not right for that part. But uh, I did love Dwight Yoakam and... Uh, Jared Leto with cornrows being a complete douchebag. You hate him. Like the first sight of him, they 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 want you to hate him, <laughs> and to do something so like audacious. And you know who knows why he got those cornrows. I would love to see a movie about his thought process before getting the cornrows. And Forrest Whitaker <laughs> killing it, amazing. I learned about what bearer bonds are. And I wish I could find yeah. some too. It's an amazing film. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, and Jared, yeah, Dwight Yoakam is terrifying in this movie. Absolutely, as Raul. Raul, what a great name too! Yeah, yeah, and yeah. This is the first time I saw Kristen Stewart in anything. I think I don't know if this was her first movie, Same. but yeah, and she was really great. This is, yeah, the, like we said, any any other filmmaker, this might have been like a number one. But yeah, the fact that it, it only made your, one of the three of our lists, and this is just this is a fantastic movie. Uh, Jimmy, did you get a chance to see this one? I did not. No. Okay. I re- well, I recommend it. It wasn't streaming, but yeah, this was one of the two that wasn't. Um, I'll get to it next week. You got it, man. Recommend it. Yeah, it, it was it was very good. Um, all right, so yeah, Jimmy, your number two is my number three, so we'll we'll table that, and why don't we just go with your number three, Jimmy? Oh, uh, my number three is Mindhunter, the series okay. for Netflix. Um, yeah. It's one of my favorite series ever. I'm still very furious that they canceled the show. Um, I I related a lot to Holden Ford, the main character, played by Jonathan Groff, and never seen that type of character in anything before. I love the dynamic between him and his partner. Um, Anna Tor was great in the show. But I think going back to like serial killer fascination, which is like evident from seven on, I think this is like his real chance to like actually ask the questions that I think he's always wanted to ask serial killers. Like if you could sit in a room with them and, and try to pick their brains on why they do the things that they do, uh, what would they say? And I, that's basically the premise for the show. And yeah, it's, it's pretty flawed. Like the second season has some weird plot points. I, I don't love the, like, uh, I forget his partner's name, but, uh, Oh, is it Bill? I can't Bill remember. Tench. Bill Tench. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, his, his kid, possibly being a killer is kind of weird and yeah yeah I, it's, there's some there's some definite stuff that that we we could have lost but 
overall the series is just super powerful I, those characters just sitting in a room talking is fascinating to me brian what's your relationship with mindhunter um, i know it was on your list too as your your number two yeah i've got i i watched i've rewatched that show probably four four times nice okay i don't really rewatch a lot of stuff like that on that level especially stuff that's dense but like those sit downs those interrogations at the desks those are like action films to me and the way that they're shot they're all shot kind of different with a different problem and a different dynamic between the uh, interrogators and the not interrogators, the interviewers, you know, the profilers with the, um, with the killers and stuff like that. Like those scenes with Ed Kemper and those um, like when, when he asked him like, why are you tense? And then it just, it's completely terrifying while he's sitting in a chair, he's not making any like lurchy movements. And the guy who did um, Charles Manson, um, Damon Harriman, Damon yeah. Harriman, you know, you know, doing his uh, his Charles Manson that he did for all, also for Quentin Tarantino, right? You know, he's he's fantastic, and just all of those guys embodying those uh, those killers. I thought it was it's it's an amazing thing, and um, it's just those well crafted conversations. They 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 give you the info, but they also give it to you in a way that it shows you how it's hurting the uh, the people who are who are logging the information. You know, it's bothering them, and and. Uh, and uh, I just, I love the conversations. I love the sit downs. It's just incredible to me. Yeah, and basically, it it stopped because Fincher had said that not enough people were watching it, and it was very expensive. And in a way, he's not wrong. You know, yeah. it wasn't really like, you know, with the way TV is now, there's just so many shows coming at you. You know, back in the, I mean, Brian, you can attest to this too. In like the twenty, the, the early two thousands, there was like six shows, and they were all elite. Yeah, and now, and now you you gotta like needle. It's needles in a haystack, and I, I'm glad Fincher stayed with Netflix to make go back to making movies because we got the killer and mank out of it. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's a shame what what could have been. This could have been like a Mount Rushmore type show. I agree, especially with people. the mysteries that they were setting up. Those little threads they were putting in there. Yeah. Okay. And they had BTK sitting in his house watching TV. They'll, they drop in on him like twice a season. And he's like, he's like making a nut while watching TV. Or he's wearing women's underwear. Is this, they're showing you that these guys have profiles, that they're not normal people and that they do weird stuff, you know, before they go in and decide to kill people in a very organized way. And uh, I, th- I thought that was another comparison they made to the killers. Like these people aren't um, geniuses. And, and that's what uh, Fassbender says too in the killer. He's like, they're not, they're generally not smart people, but they're organized and they want to do it so bad that they figure out a way to get away with it for a time. And I just, you know, I, I love that kind of stuff. This is a great show. I, I miss it, but I, I understand why it's not here anymore. Yeah, Brian, you were the only person to put a music video, which he's done many of, and I did get to watch some of them on YouTube. But you, you put, actually put one of his music videos on your top five at your number three. So what yep. did you have at your number three? Yeah, um, definitely Freedom 90 by okay. George Michael. That's one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in my life. And I watch it pretty frequently. And it bulldozes me every single time. Just the epic style of it and just the frivolous, arrogant <laughs> nature of what the project is. It's just amazing. It's it's stunning to me. All those models, Naomi Campbell, Linda, Linda Evangelista, um, Christy Turlington, Cindy Crawford, all of those. And there were some male models in there too, but that's not yep. what we're talking about here. Um, <laughs> all of these genetic anomalies, like like you know, like freaks. You know, they're just stunning. Right. 
and just like you see the cinematography of it and it's there was nothing like it at the time there's nothing as as insane as that was as that was at the time all of those shots of like 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 linda evangelista walking just stomping down a hallway with a long sheet and then um tatiana pati with uh, like smoking in the bath with like golden light all over her and uh, right it's just like it, it stunned me and also what this song stands for in you know in george michael's life and uh and uh and and just what it stands for in general to me on in at different points in my life you know i kind of listened to that song and heard it differently every time i listen to it because you know you're going through different shit at different times you know and uh it's just it just bl- it blows my mind every time i love it to death this is cool because i think of like earlier music videos do you think of like when supermodels are in music videos, maybe like Billy Joel, Uptown Girl, and she's the love interest. <laughs> yeah. But then you have these like these supermodels in this video. They're just they're badass as shit. Yeah. They're they're lip syncing the song and they just look yeah. so fucking cool. This is I watched this video last night. I, I had seen it when I was a kid, but I hadn't because MTV doesn't do music videos anymore, so you don't see many music videos nope. unless you you seek them out. So this is this is right on YouTube for anybody listening who wants to watch it. It's really it's like six and a half minutes. It's really cool music video. Jimmy, have you seen this one ever? I did. Yeah, I watched it last night. Okay, it really good. Love the song. George Michael's all over my Apple Music playlist. And yeah, he's done so many. We were talking off screen. Like Paul Abdul was like my biggest crush as a kid. Oh yeah. And he did like all of her major music videos. I, yeah, he's. I think his IMDb said ninety five directorial credits. Sure. And, and I think 11 films. Like so, 15 movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Left. Okay. <laughs> so, Crazy. Yeah, just, just wild. All right, so, Jimmy, again, we're inverted here. Your number two is my number three. It's the same movie. Since you had it higher, I'll let you lead off. What's uh, what's your number two? Yeah, this was a surprise to me. I saw it this week, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Okay. Mm. Uh, yeah. Banger. Absolute banger of a movie. Holy crap. <laughs> I was not prepared, to be honest possibly the most brutal scene in a fincher movie i've seen is yeah the, the rape scene of but you know she she plays it rooney mara is like so good in this and you know she could have just went she could have just went and like cut this guy's eyes out and it would have been acceptable but she went back and like played it to her advantage like she basically like used this guy's power just and made it her power yeah and, and it was yeah this was a very dark movie and like you know, the, the end scene where you think they're going to like run away with each other. And then he leaves with Robin, Wright. Yeah. It's like, it leaves you with that empty, kind of like that empty feeling that you get with Zodiac or, or seven. It's just like, there's no happy endings really in like any of his movies. No. Yeah. Great Daniel Craig. And it's like, great. Uh, Stellan Skarsgård is a fucking monster in this Christopher See, Palmer. Oh yeah. He like choose the scenery in this. I love Stellan Skarsgård in this movie. I mean, it's so, it's such a bummer to read this was supposed to be part of a trilogy. And it is, yeah, that is. I, I wish I, after seeing the end, I was like, damn. It's probably our fault, had. Jimmy, because we, we're, we've both seen this movie within the last month. Yeah, no, it's it's our fault for sure. <laughs> I, did my, I saw it in a theater. It blew my mind in, in a theater seated. Yeah, I just never even, I never, I was like, I have a Fincher blind spot, and that's not really, like, acceptable. I have to turn in my cinephile card if I if I keep this. Yeah. So, and I was like, holy shit, this is fucking amazing. Why did I, I don't know what I was doing in 2012. Probably nothing is nothing that I can remember that would have been productive. Like seeing this, this great movie. Call of duty, maybe P- possibly. I, yeah. I, I was, I did have a gaming phase. Those were the days. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I'm glad I got to see this and 
it was it was, it was a bummer that the uh, the trilogy didn't happen, but glad this one did. Brian, did you like this movie? Yeah, I loved it. It didn't make my list, but it would be number six, one hundred percent. Okay. Yeah, I loved it to death. It's, I that's what I've watched uh, two or three times, and like you know, similar to I've watched all these movies quite a few times, but that movie I've only seen two or three times because it is kind of a an undertaking. It's heavy. It's not. It it revels in the greasy, nasty, um, gray and blue, you know, filters, and is kind of like rough, and you hate all these people. And uh, Elizabeth Salander's lashing out, and she's very good at it. And uh, you, you do love that. And uh, yeah, I, I I love the look of it, and I love the the dialogue and the way they shoot her walking and like her physicality in that movie was I find to be like otherworldly. She's way different. And then you've got this like you know jovial, nice Stellan Skarsgård guy, and he's like charismatic and he's he's cool, but he's also a monster. And so I think that's you know like some of my favorite things to explore in movies is, is those kind of dynamics. And yeah, I just love it to death. This is great. I, yeah. And I'm definitely going to watch it again soon. I didn't get to watch it twice in, in this, the, the three weeks that we, uh, cause I was, I was watching his, nice. his other stuff, but I definitely want to uh, revisit this one. Cause it, cause it was awesome. It, and it, it made my list at number three, my number two did not make either of your lists. So I'll just lead off with it here. Little movie called seven. I don't know. Maybe you've heard of it. <laughs> yeah we we've covered it on we've covered it on the pod before i've told the story this was um this was a pay-per-view i kind of had to like needle my mom to allow me to see it in the theaters and it it was a really intense movie and i kind of had to like prod her a little bit am i allowed to am i allowed to watch this and it it was at a time where now uh i told we're just talking about panic room last night i hit a button on my remote on my tv and you pay 3.99 bam panic rooms here but in 1995, when I saw this movie, you call the cable company, and it was like, your purchase of seven is confirmed for 3.30. Mm-hmm. Click. Crazy. And then you turn on the, the pay-per-view channel, and it's got, like, the, the, the snow screen. And all of a sudden, the snow screen just magically becomes, like, real. And you're like, holy shit. Like, we, this is it. The this future is, is now. Yeah. <laughs> we made it. And, yeah, Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman, we don't know. Kevin Spacey is in this movie because he's not even in the credits. And then, you know, he just comes out with the bloody fingertips, like, detective. The best. And, yeah, and then, of course, we, like like all of his movies, we end with a, with a really down note mm-hmm. with you know, what's in the box. And, yeah, this is just a, a game of cat and mouse, kind of kind of similar to Zodiac. And I – just the brutality in, in this movie is – I, I would say that the scene in the dragon tattoo that we previously mentioned was maybe like the single most brutal scene in any of his movies, but just, you know, the girl with her nose cut off the, the fat guy that he tied up and made continue to eat spaghetti. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just, that's pretty sick. Uh, Brian, what, any, any seven thoughts? Oh, I got a lot of thoughts on seven. I've watched it a million times and that's when I was heavy into my nine inch nails phase. And so I was stoked on that, that somebody could make a film that really matched his nature. And, uh, and tone um i like that a lot and just i loved the um it's one of the openings that i like best uh you know how he has those kind of like animated um kind of like they show you different things and uh, you're not sure how they're going to feed into the movie and they always do and great opening um and and the actors brad pitt at his high you got morgan freeman just you know as the mentor doing his like sage old guy and he's amazing 
and uh, I'm getting too old for this shit type of thing where he's going <laughs> to retire. And, uh, you know, we love that. And, uh, yeah, but Brad Pitt at the end of the movie, closing the circle, you know, by blowing away John Doe, it's just a perfectly, you know, perfectly executed, you know, um, movie in, in, the, in that the writing at the beginning feeds to the end and it's perfectly shaped. Yeah, I love this movie. One of those, you just watch it whenever whenever it's on. Yeah. Jimmy, how about you? Oh, yeah, great. I mean, all of these movies are great. I, picking a top five is, is you know. It's tough. Absolutely. It is very tough. Uh, I, it's it's sort of the anti-Zodiac, honestly. Like, mm, kind of exactly. has this Hollywood bow ending. Everything kind of plays out according to scripts. But it's just so cool to watch his, it's, his style is very raw in this movie. It's mm. interesting. I'd love to talk with you guys about, like, when do we feel like David Fincher feels like David Fincher? Like, mm. what movie is it? That... Well, I guess this is this kind of this is technically like his, his first movie, even though Alien Three. Right. Was... This is his first one that was like an original project. I would I would say he would love to say this is his first movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm sure. Um, but yeah, it's it's super cool. Obviously, like, it's very actually interesting to see Brad Pitt in this movie, who I think is kind of raw as an actor in this. He yeah. Clearly, yeah, he's yeah, very seasoned. And uh, it's super interesting to watch him, knowing what this he was like two years becomes... after he was like he was Floyd in True Romance, just like okay. the donor guy on the yeah, couch. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So yeah, this yeah. is this was really cool to watch. Um, I this was a new one for me during this project. I had not seen it. it was huge, wow, okay. huge blind spot. Yeah. Um, All right. Very very cool. I was expecting a little bit more of a twist. To be honest, I think mm. there was some setup stuff that I felt like never happened. True. But, not you know that's probably just informed by me watching some of his other movies and okay kind of expecting that sort of thing but um no super cool i i had managed to stay spoiler free on the what's in the box bit so that was pretty surprising <laughs> wow. to me I was like, oh sick does it uh sixth sense you know i know someone who was spoiler free on I... that and watched it last year and was like oh my god he was dead <laughs> well, I, I did. I, I watched The Sixth Sense in college and had also stayed spoiler free. I don't know how I do it. I run away as soon as I know there's a twist. Do you in talk movie, to people? Like, I guess you don't. Run. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're down to number ones. Uh, Jimmy, you and I share a number one. And Brian, your number one didn't make either of our lists. That's so ironically. weird. It is. So it would have been, yeah. been in my like six to nine range. It's if, if, if I had to think about it. So we'll lead off with you, Brian. What's your number one? Um, Fight Club. Okay. Again, this was my introduction. I, I started loving films around this time. I saw it right when it came out. Um, it just stunned me in a way because I knew right away that he was making fun of these people, that these people are not to be looked up to. They're trash. And then going forward through life, you see that people love this movie on a level that is not meant to be loved. And I think I like that <laughs> a lot about the movie. I see a lot of douchebags <laughs> take the words in this movie. Yep, and they and they put them up on on billboards like they're some kind of like life advice, and uh, <laughs> and Jack's un, unreliable narrator is just amazing. Basically, what you realize later is like that he's just trying to explain away his involvement. No, his his heading up of a terrorist organization, and that's that's he's basically making excuses, you know, for 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 harming people and blowing things up and being a complete asshole for no reason. And uh, I just like this, the little scenes with Project Mayhem, and I love all that stuff with it. And uh, it's just, you know, I realized, too, that this movie is intended for nice guys that feel like they haven't had their opportunity to, like, embrace their masculinity and their, and their privilege. And uh, 
all the shots of Jack like beating himself up throughout the movie. You realize uh, whenever he's fighting Tyler Durden, he's fighting himself, and uh, just to indulge in that self pity and 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 anger spirals that that dudes get involved in. It's it's amazing, and the cult like status of the film is just I don't know. I, it, it's incredible, and if you're not getting the joke, that's that's a bummer. Yeah. No, this is this is a great movie, and the fact that it didn't make my list isn't a testament to the movie at all. It's just, there's just so much here and just such a stacked filmography. And we, we were just talking about twists in movies. Like the twist at the end of this movie is, is like right up there. Just yeah, oh, yeah. Top, top five twists ever. Ever. Probably. Yeah. For me. And it was at a time, Brad Pitt was arguably the biggest star in the world in 1999. Yep. Edward Norton. I remember seeing primal fear oh, and yeah. American history X. And it was like this, this guy, Two of these guys kind of like at the peak of their powers. And Helena Bonham Carter is, is in this. Just I yeah, I, I love this movie. And it's one of those things you see it on like FX. You're yeah. you're flicking channels and it's on FX at like four in the afternoon. You're like, all right, well, I, I know what I'm doing for the next like forty minutes. Jimmy, what what did you like Fight Club? Oh yeah, I love Fight Club. It's a great movie. It's super fun. Uh I some some of the like set design and everything in this movie is just seconds and on that weird freaking house that they stay in is with helena bottom carter and everything is yeah. So <laughs> yeah disturbing and weird and like the the really like uh co- comical looking like office sets and yeah you know, it's just like everything to the look of the fight club itself like i don't know it's, it's visual visually such a striking movie and obviously the twist is like seconds and on also yeah. i'm very curious uh did brian singer just like steal the beginning of x-men wholesale from this movie yeah with the whole like <laughs> like neutrons you know like changing and yeah you know yeah yeah i thought so i was like yeah, ah, I, I this is like before. definitely from fight club for sure like he's going on he's going through the synapses <laughs> and then he's going yeah. down the, the the pathway i'm like we've seen this yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> uh amazing all right so jimmy yeah you and i share a number one i, I said that earlier uh, what is it? The Social Network. Yes. Speak on it. Why was it your number one? Uh, a variety of reasons. Do I think it's like significantly better than his other films? Probably not. But I think for the the um, the impact to society, like mm-hmm. the way this movie has been felt and processed, I think over the last decade or so, it has been really unique. Uh, obviously, as our relationship changes with the Mark Zuckerbergs and the Elon Musks and stuff of the world, it's very interesting to like watch this movie and see how all of this like came about because of just like a greedy power struggle amongst like really sort of rich snobby elite boys and 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 how we're kind of all beholden to that today yeah um it's super fascinating and he just does so many things with this movie that first of all like we haven't really talked about it yet the scale on the pod but like fincher doesn't write his own film so yeah i think a lot of a lot of preference in terms of one movie to another is based on the screenwriter that he's collaborating with. And obviously Aaron Sorkin, one of the greatest to ever do it um, really adds his own flair to the movie. And I think their, their match like working together really makes this special. Yeah, I agree. We talked about the, when we talked about Zodiac, how like the bookends of the movie there and how I appreciate a good bookend, the opening scene of this movie I could watch. And I did watch this before on YouTube, just Rudy Mara and Jesse Eisenberg just sitting at a table and she's, she's breaking up with them while they talk about, he's talking about how he's trying to get into this, this final club. And he just says to her, 
you're just saying they're just having a conversation and it's just like he just said the wrong thing to her at the wrong time what do you, you know if i get into these clubs i'm going to be taking you around people you otherwise wouldn't meet and she's <laughs> like you would you would do that for me and she, and it just and it just leads to her like just savagely dumping him you know you're gonna th- you're gonna go through your life thinking girls don't like you because you're a nerd, and that's not gonna be the case. No, it's because you're because a you're an asshole. <laughs> yeah, that's such an amazing lead in, like right there. <laughs> and then the movie ends with him sending her a friend request and him just refreshing the screen. It that's- is the best ending ever. Like I love that. Ending. It's incredible. It's, so good. it's great. I I had an awareness of Jesse Eisenberg before this, but this was kind of like the first. This is obviously the thing that put him on the map. Definitely the first time I saw uh, Andrew Garfield in anything. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Rooney Mara, this was definitely the first time I saw her. And I was glad, you know, she got to work with Fincher again in, in Dragon Tattoo in, in a bigger role. Timberlake, this is probably the best he's ever been. Yeah. Ever. Basically just being being Timberlake because Sean Parker, I've seen him in interviews, was not this fucking cool. No, either. not at all. He was more venal yeah. and nasty for sure. Yep. Also, uh-huh. shout, shout out, um, oh gosh. Uh, Dakota Johnson is the yes. yeah the yeah he hooks up at the beginning of the movie yeah that's yep. so great yep so much so much uh, yeah and the the soundtrack is uh, Trent Reznor Atticus Ross this is like all over my playlist Either. oh so good it's yeah I I love this movie I watched it again uh, Tuesday before we and yeah it's still a ten out of ten for me it's on my letterbox top four wow next next to Oppenheimer the Godfather and Halloween just. I could watch Miller, there, we, know, we know who Dave, what Dave's favorite movie of the year is. There you go. Right. <laughs> uh, Brian, I know this didn't make your list. Did you not like it or just it just didn't make the cut out um, of the things you like better? I'm going on that I watched it again last year, pretty recently, and I watched it concertedly. I remember you were talking about it, actually. It was you. I said, oh, he loves this movie so much. And uh, let me just put it on because I feel like it hit me, and it hit me well, and, and Sorkin – and uh, Fincher, and then you got all these actors that I like, Atticus Ross, Trent Reznor, basically Nine Inch Nails. Doing, I was like, this is like a, this is what I, this is why I do this. I'm gonna put this on and watch it. Yeah, and it just didn't hit. It did not okay. hit me. And I might have been in a bad mood because that, because that, 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 that happens. That's you know? affected me before for sure. Yeah. That plays. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, I just wasn't into it, but I do appreciate it very much. I do appreciate the structure of it, and again, how the propulsive nature of these. Uh, power struggle conversations and how the how the how the power changes and how uh, it's it's really based on a lot of um you know personal issues for Zuckerberg and all of these uh all of these people they're they're just they're just angry upstarts you know and, and they and they want to have their name on the top of this on uh, on the top of Facebook as the uh, creator and they feel like they all feel like they're uh they they should have it and I just love that you know that part about it and of course the style of it i love the whole like crew and the the winklevoss twins and those guys are amazing um yeah i i, I do like it but uh it just didn't hit me the last time i watched it and so sure. i wasn't gonna make the list all right cool so we, we all got pretty solid lists here i'm just gonna read them back tell me if i uh tell me if i messed up anything guys so brian your list was you had fight club at number one yeah mine hunter two freedom 90 by george michael at three yeah Panic Room at four, and you had The Killer at number five. Yep. So, sound good? Yes. Okay, Jimmy, you went Social Network, Dragon Tattoo, Mindhunter, Gone Girl, Zodiac. Yep. All right, cool. I had The Social Network, Seven, Dragon Tattoo, Zodiac, and Gone Girl. 
I'm going to go over the movies real quick that made none of our lists. So we got four of them here. Alien 3, <laughs> The Game, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, and Mank. Jimmy, were there any of these that you thought about? Well, to be honest, the only one of those four I've seen is uh, Benjamin Button. Okay. Which, uh, a lovely movie, but wouldn't have... It would probably it's pretty it's pretty low on my list of of his projects. Yeah, I think of some of the films that Scorsese's done, like mo- to most like people, I guess casuals. Scorsese's the gangster movie guy, but then when he makes something like After Hours or Hugo, you're like, okay, I like that, but it didn't really feel like a Scorsese film. Right. Yeah, and I think with Benjamin Button, he tried to do like a feel good movie. Yeah, and it's it's super really, down- really not super downbeat. Movie. Yeah. Yeah, and it's also it's not like, like his lane really long. Like I, I mean, look, Dragon Tattoo is super long too, but like it keeps you interested in a way that I, I yeah. personally just didn't feel like. Benjamin I like that. I think I gave it. I, I gave it four to five stars. Okay. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. I think three to four stars is is probably yeah. the right range. It's still well directed and there's great moments. I just got, I couldn't put it in there over some of these other things, but yeah. I, I didn't didn't dislike the movie. I thought it was good good uh, good Cape chat. Oh yeah, and Pet. I thought they had good chemistry. Oh, I mean, always. I love Kate. And like when she's yeah. holding him as a baby, and they're walking away, and oh. just like that, like that really stunned me. I think about that scene all the time, and uh, that, yeah. that movie does hit you hard. But um, it just tries to hit you hard ten times in the face over three hours. It's kind of rough. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Were how about you, Brian? Were any of those in consideration for you? Um, no, because okay, again, I didn't see Mank, and uh, I'll watch it at some point whenever I feel like it. I recommend um, it. Yeah, yeah, I will. I will. I promise. But um, <laughs> Ben Button, um, yeah, it's just a lot. I saw it twice, and uh, it's it's kind of a brutal movie to watch. And uh, you see, like this weird little guy, and uh, you know, all of this stuff is happening around him, and uh, he's not like really in control of his life when you look at it. You know, when you really view it, and I don't know, it's kind of a rough watch for me. And all, but I do like the design of it. The technology, obviously, is impressive and um and just to watch fincher do that it's kind of incredible but um also alien 3 i watched it a few times when i was younger and uh, it doesn't hold a place for me at all it's it's a little it's a little crusty for me i watched yeah it did look like it was the i mean he's talked he's basically tried to disavow this movie it did i watched it the other night and i i think he gave it three and a half out of five it was fine but it definitely looks like a a studio like a lot of suits got involved in the making of this and it shows. So yeah, it wasn't wasn't even in a consideration for me. All right, guys, great great talking some Fincher with you. Why don't we uh, segue, Jimmy? What's something good you watched this week? Um, I guess it wasn't this week. Probably the week before. I've been busy. Okay. But, um, I so I've I've watched all of the House of Usher, and I've never seen any of Mike Flanagan stuff okay. uh, because uh, I was a Poe fan, which I really enjoyed. But then I immediately started Haunting a Phil House because I. Had never seen it, and that is one of my favorite series now. I absolutely devoured that show. Um, yeah, bo- both are great, but Hill House next level. I'm on Hill House now because I liked uh, House of Usher. Nice, and I'm like three, and I like how he uses a lot of the same actors. Yeah, it's over really and over cool. again. Yeah, so you get like kind of like a even though it's not the same series, you do have like kind of it's like sense of familiarity. Yeah, you have that like continuity, a, same, same, obviously like same style, same a lot of the same uh-huh. actors, so it's cool. Definitely, because he's he's made a lot of stuff for Netflix, so I'm definitely making yeah. more. And I've seen all those shows; they're all very, very good. They're all very well crafted, and there's some um, there's actually like a Fincherness to those movies too. And and yeah. they, uh, they they they're kind of very slick 
and uh, they kind of are punctuated by something nasty always, those scenes. And I like that guy a lot. Yeah. yeah. Really solid director. How about you, Brian? Um, the... I saw recently the, um, is it Murder at the End of the World on Hulu? Yeah. Yes, I like that a lot. So I'm enjoying that. It's very good. I'm kind of like a little like annoyed about the key card and the, and just like the whole. Like, the rings? Yeah, like the rings and the logistics of it is kind of like, I thought that was necessary and kind of annoying, but it does make sense. Um, but anyway, that's that's a small caveat. But I'm enjoying that a lot. Um, I, I do like stuff like that, kind of these um, these kind of like untouchable people and and uh, how they come into the lives of people who are raw and uh, fragile and uh, how these fragile people will definitely. Well, I feel like will ultimately will win because they have souls. And uh, so that's that's a a good show. I'm enjoying that a lot. I'm rewatching Baskets because um, I okay. I didn't finish it. Zach Galifianakis and uh, yep, uh, it's uh, much worse on the second watch because like I, <laughs> like like my time is more precious to me nowadays. Sure. And so like to watch something as frivolous as that and to you know watch Zach be an asshole for twenty nine minutes is kind of like I don't know. But I, I'm I'm gonna plot through it. But yeah, those are the things that I'm watching right now. All right, I'll go. Uh, I'll go TV movie. I, the other day I'm. I'm on HBO Max and I I'm rewatching Barry because that's one of the greatest shows ever. Oh yeah. But I see that's not my that's not my site. I'm seeing this thing for a show called Bookie, and I'm hmm. like, what 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 is this? So it's with this uh, Brian. You actually sent me uh, you sent me a, a video yesterday of a guy doing an impression of this this comedian Sebastian Maniscalco. Yeah yeah yeah. Okay, so he's the star of this show, and I saw uh, there was a movie that came out over the summer with Robert De Niro. I forgot the name of it, like something my father. Right, and it just it looked like one of those De Niro just grabbing a paycheck job. <laughs> but I thought, that my, and my mom actually said that this guy's really funny. The, the, uh, I'm going to fuck up his name, Maniscalco, Sebastian Maniscalco. Maniscalco. So in the show, did I say it wrong? Yeah, Maniscalco. That's it. Maniscalco. Okay, thank you. Yep. All right, now I won't make that mistake again. But the show, uh, Maniscalco, he plays a bookie, and it's just it's he's like he's trying to collect money from his clients, and he's in the state of California where sports betting isn't legal yet. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> yeah, so he's still in business, but this is kind of like looming on the horizon, like that you're about to be out of business, and he's he's got this enforcer, this ex NFL player that he. They ride around in cars with all day, and it's kind of like in the entourage lane. This sounds like, like one. Yeah, one of the storylines is Charlie Sheen owes him a ton of money. What? Yeah, <laughs> as himself. And he at Charlie Sheen as himself yes, is in the I... first episode, and he has to break into a rehab. Charlie Sheen checks, <laughs> that not even fucked up. Check himself into rehab so he can escape this bookie. And it, it the first episode is basically these guys just going into this rehab. And finding Charlie Sheen and Charlie Sheen making up all these like wacky excuses to why he doesn't have the money yet, but he'll have it. And it's it's basically like you know Entourage was basically like celebrities showing up as, as themselves and just being idiots. And this this is kind of like what this seems to be. Ray Romano was in the opening scene of this. Awesome. Ooh. It's half hour episodes. I recommend it. I think the first two are on on Max now. So I, I like I like this show. I recommend it. And so a movie that snuck up on me. I had seen it, like, when I'm checking Fandango for what comes out this week. The internet was fucking going crazy over this. Godzilla minus one. I want to see it. Yeah, do. Because it was fucking awesome. And cool. 
Yeah, so this follows. This is the Japan. This is Japanese with English subtitles. Mm. And it's post, it's like right out of World War II. And it follows, what I liked about it is this follows this very human story about this kamikaze pilot who, uh, he chickened out on a mission. So he's basically labeled as a coward. And he's like trying to redeem himself. He like, he meets a girl and they have a, she has a baby and he's like trying to get a family with this. But Godzilla comes back and like fucks up everything. And there's, so there's this very human element of the story combined with these insane action set pieces. I read the budget on this film was like $15 million. How? Yeah. And still the, the action in it were, I'd stack it up against any Marvel movie. Wow. It was really, and it was like two hours and five minutes. I to see this. Yeah. I gave this, an, I gave this a nine out of 10. <clears throat> this is, this kind of like, I'm, I'm, we're in December. I'm kind of like, mapping out my top 10 of the year. And this definitely threw a, a wrench into it. It, I had seen it. I was like, Godzilla minus one. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. That sounds dumb. And <laughs> the, the internet was just going insane. I was like, okay. I, and I saw it was playing locally and I, I went and saw it yesterday afternoon. And yeah, I, I definitely recommend it. Yeah. I made up to cool. jump into the theater and check that out for sure. It was, I, I, yeah, it has, it has my endorsements, whatever that means. It means a lot. All right. Man. <laughs> uh, Jimmy, where can we follow you at? Uh, you can follow me on uh, TikTok or Instagram or on Threads. I'm at at Jimmy Write Songs, one S, so J I M M Y R W R I T S O N G S. Um, yeah. All right, cool. Brian, what's we'll the you? You can find me at Brian Valentine at Twitter. Brian with an I. Got it. All right, and I am at DDEM2000. That's my handle on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. <clears throat> we also have a, an Instagram and Twitter for the show. It's at, at Was It That Bad Pod. And if you want to talk about Fincher or any of the things we talked about or any things that you want to talk about, movies or TV related, you join the Movie and Television Talk Facebook group. Just type that into a group search. We are the red cover photo. We're going to be back uh, in a couple weeks. We're going to be doing our top five high school movies, so I'm excited to be talking about that, as I was excited to talk about our top five venture tonight. Jimmy, Brian, this was awesome. Thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks, thanks Dave. Dave. You got it. And thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Mm-hmm.